This is Game Theory, our podcast about competition, strategy, and decision-making, hosted by me, Nick Andrews, and my brother, Chris. In this episode, we don't want to go back to work. It seems like the work week has been set in stone for ages, Monday through Friday, Saturdays and Sundays off. But that's not true. The weekend as we know it is just about 100 years old, if that. And now it seems like it could be changing again. Employees and companies alike have long toyed with the notion of a four-day work week. The idea being that by adding about two hours of work on Monday through Thursday, the employees would simply get Fridays off. Think tanks, universities, companies, and even governments have been studying how this could impact productivity. And while many studies suggest that companies are not only more productive, their employees are happier. Still, other organizations have found the notion to be a total flop, annoying employees, and actually costing money. But what is productivity? What do employees actually want? And why is there no three-day weekend in the month of March or April? And welcome to episode 60, that's six zero, of Game Theory, a podcast about competition strategy and decision making. And Chris, I would be remiss if we didn't start with an RIP to your first furry friend ever. Um, and I figured the cat community would be out in droves for you. Lily passed just under, I believe, 20 years old. Yes, she had uh, what I like to refer to as an unnatural long life. Uh, no doubt brought about by her association with the One Ring. Now, she's a lovely cat, and uh, we said goodbye to her over the long weekend. Yeah, which is not so a bad we had time a, to do an that. extra long weekend here in this household. Um, tough tough situation losing a pet. They say within the first 72 hours to a couple of weeks, it's like worse than losing a parent for some psychological reasons and some other emotional reasons, which is tough. Also, um, because of your crippling allergies, it was your first pet, really, which you did not buy her. She was part of a package deal that you have are going to marry into. That's correct. It was the best decision I've ever made, and I want that on the record, uh, loud and clear, as often as possible. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're you know we're 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 working through some feelings here. Yeah, this week in this it's, household. It's, yeah. So if people reach out to uh, Chris for his first cat, and I also will be setting uh, an over under lines if you would like to take action on the next time he gets a cat. The current over under is he will not be watching a Notre Dame game this fall without a cat present. That is the current over-under, so you can get odds at GameTheory.com. Uh, no, that's not true. You cannot get odds, and bet responsibly and all of that, of course. No reasonable person would believe that I'm taking bets under the table. I'd never do that. Go Irish. Is a lawyer contacting you repeatedly? Is that why all the... Uh, all no, the but there are uh, the skeezy douchebags, and they will do stuff if they just fuck around on the internet. It happens all the time, and you don't want to be the lazy person who gets sued. So are we in any that's danger? Right. No, I know. I do not. Yeah. <laughs> so are, why, why do we need to cut costs? Well, because the economy's bad. <laughs> Speaking of the cutting costs and the economy being bad, today we are talking about a four-day work week. President's Day just happened. I think the most egregious thing ever, which we'll talk about in a little bit, is that there is an enormous gap in the middle of the year, in my least favorite part of the year, where there are no four-day weekends or four-day week work weeks and three-day weekends. None. Zero. And then there are two like in five minutes in the summer, which is great, but not. we should space this out. A little bit is my. Argument. I can't help but agree with you. 
we're recording this right now. Uh, as you said, President's Day weekend just happened, and this really kind of is the last of like the long weekends because Saint St. Patrick's Day mm-hmm. is uh, celebrated uh, privately. I think <laughs> yeah, well, Easter is unpredictable, so that would be like the next one. Uh, also celebrated generally privately, I guess, depending on where you work. And you know, it's a real show. You know, we we heard on uh, on the sister show. Interesting to see. Yeah, my sports podcast show, sure. about yeah. uh, news, narratives, takes gambling. You guys, seriously, go check it out. It's well, a genuinely good program. It's better than the dribble we put up here. <laughs> I don't know about on that. the airwaves. It's, uh, it's daily, good. good for daily sports content. And uh, you're you were right then, and you're right now. We need more four day work weeks built into the system that aren't coming out of one's own limited supply of personal time off. The real question that we're going to get into today is: Is it feasible and reasonable at all for every weekend to be a three-day weekend. Many have asked for quite a long time. We're going to get into that. But before, Chris, before before we do that, we have to uh, go we, a little investigative work. So a little Law & Order theme track. You will get sued for putting that in a podcast because it's so iconic. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, they'll find that they have AI. That one and the serial one, the serial theme, they'll find you if you do that also. Makes do, sense you, to think about do you it. recall... Early, early days, we were discussing things that people think that they get wrong and things that they get right. And I said, I swear I had heard somewhere that more people in Canada live further south than the northernmost border in California, that there are more Americans living b- above a certain parallel than Canadians. And I want to say emphatically, for the record, I was almost right. You were almost right. And, you know, I, I bullied you I, for what I thought at the time were good reasons. There are... There are a lot of good reasons to bully you. Yeah. But I will say, uh, in this case, we did receive a correction, mm-hmm. and I have to once again issue an apology. It's not a Tim Tebow-level apology. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's more apology. of like a, I don't know, like an Urban Meyer-level apology. But one that didn't happen blamed everyone else? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. Nobody nobody told me about the existence of one Pelly Island. Pelly Island, which is in a lake somewhere. I'm guessing it's in, what, Lake Erie? Well, Ontario. Look at a map. Got to be Ontario. Yes. Regardless. So this is the the message that we received um, from our friend Derek, and Derek says, as a as a proud Canadian himself, he says, by the way, the there is Pelly Island, and it is further south. It is further south than the northernmost part of California. However, most Canadians do not live below that line. I stand corrected, and I am in trouble. So it's not a population thing. It's a geography, strictly like a physical geography thing. Pelly Island is on the Canadian side of the water boundary of Lake Erie. It's just below like a huge population point, like south of Detroit, like south of Windsor and mm-hmm. Essex oh, and okay. Kingville and, and whatever else. You can see there, there are also some other islands there uh, that come off of uh, Ohio. It's like, it's like right in the middle of Ohio, like Sandusky, I think right. is probably the closest city that yeah. you can find there. Uh, so shout out to Derek. We were... I was wrong. Nick was right. Kind of. Kind of. And kind of. No, he, Derek was right. We were both sort of wrong, which is kind of the theme of this podcast, to be frank. It really is the theme of this podcast. Player 3, we rely on you endlessly for <laughs> correct and valuable information because we can only do so much, as you've ascertained so far through uh, our short 60-episode journey. Yeah, 60 episodes, and thank you for coming along on the journey. Okay, let's get into whether or not we can make President's Day a PERMA situation. Okay, so... The weird part about this to me is I think that not to 
can go completely off topic to start. I think that somewhere in the 80s or 90s when the computer became a big part of our lives, people just kind of thought history stopped happening. I'm like, oh yeah, all that other <laughs> stuff was just over there. And now we're like, this is the way the world is forever and ever and ever. But people don't realize how things actually are. The weekend is a very, very new concept. It is incredibly new. The like f- five day work week, two days off, Saturday and Sunday was like negotiated by union people and they had to strike and riot and revolt in order to get this to happen. So the reason in the, these United States that there are two days off at the end of the week are essentially the Jewish part of our population would like to have Friday night and Saturday off. The Christian part of our population would like to have Sunday off. The management would like everybody to be sober on Monday. And so people fought and screamed and in the United Kingdom, Europe, and in the United States, everyone's like, fine, fuck it. Saturday, Sunday, all the way off, done. And that happened like, just around 100, 150 years ago. Yeah, and that, that was really a decidedly American thing. Like when, when we talk about like workplace trends on the show and when we discuss like patterns of timing and workflows and like clustering of businesses on our clustering episode, we're generally talking about like modern day uh, Americana as it pertains to the workplace. And, and the week structure, the week weekend structure uh, is really no different. And it, you know, there's, there's an interesting point that... I read. I read basically on a, a tweet from an academic recently. You know, the the ancient peoples basically wherever you go around the globe, they had terms for like regularly recurring months that were based on like lunar cycles or that were based on the seasons. They had terms for years because you can you can track a year pretty clearly using like the basic astronomical uh, toolkit. And so they had terms for these like bigger, longer chunks of days. Uh, but there's not really a universal concept of a week because the the heartbeat of like the modern working world, especially like an in industrialized information-based economy, uh, th- that seven-day heartbeat uh, really is a decidedly modern thing. And, and it's not even modern like all the way around the, the globe. So like, for example, uh, before World War II, the Soviet Union had a calendar that had a work week structure that had five and six-day work weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. It didn't have anything to do with like the Jewish-Christian like hybrid holiday weekend s- style. And... Uh, you know, it, it's it's not a universal thing to we, we we do take for granted. I think the fact that we have a seven day work week now that's pretty much recognized the world over, uh, but that's not always how it's been. And there are fewer, I think, astronomical or like natural chronological reasons to break up a week this way. But through yeah. process of negotiation and some bloodshed, this is how we this is where we are. Literally bloodshed. So the 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 strike we'll call it at the Ford factory, Ford Motor Company. They refer to it on Wikipedia as a revolution, and that's something to think about. Um, not a long, not long ago, were people fighting for various workplace labor rights. Uh, so here we are. I would like to have my hungover day be Monday and not Sunday. So let's discuss that. So in the last couple of years, COVID screwed everything up, and it got people thinking about work-life balance, work from home, many things. And one thing that was discussed was this concept of a four-day work week. Now, people had been kind of under the radar trying to argue for this for a while. And COVID has really kind of, it feels like fast tracked this, but it goes, goes back before then. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And so if you think about the structure of the the five day work week, what, what are the basic kind of criteria that we've collectively settled on 40 hours a week, 
working nine to five is like the general day shift pattern. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's some shift work involved there. Uh, but basically the idea is to have people butts in chairs or feet on factory floors working for eight hours a day, five times a week for a total of 40 hours. And then you get the weekend off and you start back over again on Monday. Uh, of course, holidays cut into that time, but that's, that's like the basic structure. So it, I don't think it takes a mathematical genius to look at the number 40 and think, I bet there's other ways that we can come up with filling these 40 hours of productivity in a seven-day period that the company is counting on, the economy kind of relies on, but that doesn't really make, but that maybe improves the lives of the people who have to actually put up the effort for 40 hours a week. And so the question of like, do you really need to work for five days in a row with two days off? Or can you kind of stretch that a little bit and work for four days and have an extended weekend? So the the trade-off would be there, you work for four days for 10 hours a day instead of working for the classic eight hours a day. You clock out on Thursday night, and then you have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday all off uh, to start it back over again. And Nick, I, th- I think you know there, there have been labor experiments, and, and you know this is to say nothing about shift work and, and whatever else. And we, we grew up with shift work. Our, mm-hmm. our, our, our dad worked at the mines uh, out in town. And so people who live in kind of mining or manufacturing or other resource extraction communities are, are intimately familiar with shift work. People who work in medicine familiar with shift work Mm -hmm. Uh, but generally speaking uh i think one of the one of the earliest prominent examples in my mind of like somebody upending the five-day work week was uh was actually the state of utah back in 2008 yeah so the state of utah they were like well let's you know we have these people they want different things and somebody figured out if we come to work one less day per week we can save a ton of money on energy and we can uh, benefit from tax incentives. For those of you that don't know, the Provo, Salt Lake City, and Ogden, mostly Salt Lake City, has some of the most disgusting air quality in the United States and is much closer to like Southeast Asia than it is to places like Des Moines, Iowa. There are a couple of reasons for this. Reason number one is that it's in this really high pressure valley, beautiful valley, the Wasatch Mountains. But what that does is it keeps pressure down. The other thing is that um, because Mormon culture is so prominent there, everybody wants to own land. The West is not landlocked the way the East Coast cities are, so they don't have to build up. Public transit isn't prioritized. People can just have yards. So that means there is a ton of commuting. Everybody drives all the time, and in the winter, it pressurizes and it just sits there. It's objectively disgusting. Um, depression, a lot of allergies in Salt Lake City. It's awful. So everyone's like, we got to fix this. They've been working on this for 20 years, it feels like. They thought, you know, let's incentivize some people by, you know, tax credits and a bunch of other stuff, maybe money, if they can figure out a way to cut energy and cut. So the state of Utah was like, you will try. If we do a four-day work week, that means that people will drive to the office one day less per week. That means that we will be running electricity one day less per week. And that means that people will have a three-day work. It's a good compromise. You got 10 hours. The experiment, I'm not going to say that it failed, but it found some things out. And they ended this kind of. They ended most of it pretty quickly. What they found out was that the energy actually didn't save that much because the customers, citizens of Utah, expected the state to be open on Friday. So they didn't really, they weren't down with this. A lot of people use the laziness at their own job on Fridays as a day to get shit done that the state of Utah would need to help them with like driver's licenses and things, right? The second thing was that some people want to get home and see their kids. They're like, I don't want to work till six or seven. What the hell? They hate that. It's tiring. There's a lot more burnout. And they found longer days actually is less productive than shorter days because people want to go home. However, some people did like it and portions of the state kept it, but not a lot of the state. And I don't know if it's still active. This was about 15 years ago, but they found that it didn't save the money and the, the stuff that they thought it would because it actually sucked being at work longer in those days. 
Yeah, and, and of course, you know, I think everybody's pretty generally aware Utah is a highly LDS area. A lot mm-hmm. of a lot of LDS folks uh, in that area. Uh, Nick, we grew up in a, a largely LDS community. Yeah, about fifty percent, like I'd say. Boards, if I had I to guess, yeah. I, I would I would argue possibly even more than that. Sure. But one of the one of the thing one of I think the staples of LDS culture in player three, if there's anybody out there that can kind of fill us in on this, please uh, reach out to us. Uh, but one of the big staples is that Mormon families are really tight knit and that's because they're very intentional about the time that they spend together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like uh, our, you know, a lot of our Mormon friends would have a household night built in every week where instead of having kids running off to do activities or sports or camps or whatever else, instead of the family going out to like the movies or whatever, they would just have what's called family home evening. Everything all right over there? Yeah, that was uh, my phone was connected to Bluetooth and I had the app open that I did not want to have open. <laughs> <laughs> what app was it? Uh, not TikTok, that's for sure. Um, oh, great. Well, I'm glad we have your full undivided attention as we record this No, podcast. I am looking up uh, our sources so I don't screw up the window we're recording it. Chris, why don't you worry about your own game? Plenty there to keep you busy. <laughs> plenty, there, plenty there to keep me busy. You want me to play on one leg? Yeah. I'll play on one leg. So, yes, we grew up. Yes, that's a great movie. And if you don't know the movie we're recording, we're not going to help you. You got to. That's the journey that you need to take on your own. Yeah, that's a, that's a you problem. That's a that's a you problem. We did grow up in a, a largely, and like my best friend is Mormon, uh, um, and was for many years. And this is just part of the the intermingling of of having a church community, right? Like there's a they want to prioritize family life, and that is an amazing thing to, for especially for children. It's 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 great. So you can imagine like working till six p.m. is not the vibe if you have kids. No, and you you got you, you got to factor in commute times. People live far away from like state office buildings or the state house or whatever else uh, kids have activities in the evening you know it, it's not like people aren't doing anything that keeps them distracted outside of work or keeps them busy outside of school uh, but leaving the office well after the six o'clock hour and after putting in a hard day's work makes it really difficult to build in that kind of family together time and it, it makes it hard to logistically I, I guess shuttle kids around from place to place or, or do really anything else uh, in the weekend or the weekday evenings so the trade-off of having like three full days to get stuff done is in some ways kind of counteracted because I mean if you're a state employee that doesn't mean you have immediate access to do all the stuff you need to do during the work week just for free like you got to take care of business and so it's nice to have that natural day built in but if all your other coworkers who are also providing those necessary services are also off on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, then you still got to take the time out of your schedule to, to take care of those things. And, you know, it, it's, it's not a, just a question of can we lump our time together and make it more efficient and, and better use of time for our family. It's a question of when are we able to take the time off and make the best use of the resources we have available to us. And so I, I would say that, uh, you, know, you know, based on the reporting that we're seeing out of like the, the Deseret News, uh, governance.com has a, a little write-up on this. I would say that the results are mixed and largely anecdotal. Uh, yeah. you know, some employees did report that they were at least as effective, if not more effective during the four days. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, they, they remain more focused or they're able to sustain effort for a longer period of time without having to interrupt for the end of the day if they, they get onto working on something. Uh, but others report that it's not more effective or, or productive. And, uh, and actually, you know, monetarily, the state never realized the, the big savings or the big productivity boost. And I think it's worth noting that uh, you know, at, at the time, according to this article, it was written in 2011, uh, there was a, a, a connection between a 1% drop in the productivity of state employees and a roughly $15 million difference in the state's coffers. Yeah. So the expenses uh, matter, like small differences in productivity matter quite a lot. And so structural changes like this one, uh, when, when the benefit 
benefits are only anecdotal and it's hard to kind of measure whether they actually are or are not better. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to find a reason to say, yep, this is a superior model. This is the way we should try to do things and, and just kind of get used to it. Yeah. Um, okay. So to me, it's, it's, it really is a kind of situation where it's, it's all about individuality here because it, it, you can't legislate a four-day work week, and I will tell you why, because not all businesses are created equal. The state of Utah needs to be open for the citizens. I would argue state offices should be open six days a week and perhaps seven in some cases. Like if you don't uh, recognize or follow a religion, um, getting your shit done on Sunday seems like a good way to go about it, and it depends on the state, the population, and money. So th- that's a, a little different to me. I will tell you, I was a contractor with the National Football League, The Shield, as they call it. And the way it worked for us is I had a six, the the shield. shield. Yeah. The league. (laughs) Oh, uh, that sounds like a, that sounds like a daytime TV drama. His, his, the czar (laughs) Goodell dropped in a couple times. And let me tell you, that was quite the fucking pony show. But, um, yes, he (laughs) took us all out to Buffalo Wild Wings. He's like, okay, like this is South Park made fun of Roger Goodell calling him the Goodell bot. He took us to Buffalo Wild Wings and it was like, I don't know that he was, he was not quite as highly programmed as chat GPT. I'll tell you that. Well, you know, he was he's from an earlier time. He's from he an didn't earlier have a time. level of technological yeah. sophistication <laughs> yeah. to get the Delbot operating. 3.0 will be I'm sure 3.0 will be rather <laughs> impressive. Like he might even watch football. Okay. Wow. So, wow. Could you imagine could the you commissioner imagine? involved yeah. in the entertainment product yeah. producing? Anyway, I had a six-month contract. And the reason that they do six-month contracts, it was not an entry-level position. It was one step above entry level. The reason that they do six-month contracts is because at a certain point in time, we would become vested. We would get the benefits. And according to the United States of America, it's a collectively bargained employment arrangement. I would get benefits that like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady get health insurance, high level like investment opportunities and stuff. So they will do six million dollar contracts. Uh, Yes, exactly. I'm what I'm worth it. Obviously it's market demand. (laughs) So they would make us go six months on six months off. And most people don't you can't find a job that will also like benefit that. So, so I just did one six month contract and it was great. And the way that it worked was there was a team of 10 of us and our jobs were to go through the archives, log old footage, and then pitch shows and things for whatever's running on NFL network. Um, some Dick got really into hard knocks for a while. And it's basically like not quite grunt work, but pretty close. They wanted 40 hours a week. They said, you have to physically be here for four days. We don't care where you're doing it. If we find out that you're working at like 3 a.m., we're going to check the cameras and see what the hell is going on here. But we don't give a shit at all. Whatever you want is totally fine. So there were guys that would do three, like 12-hour days and then like a four-hour day. And then there were other people that would do four 10-hour days and go golfing in the middle of the week. They did not care. The NFL did not give a shit at all. They're like, get your, get your stuff done. And that, what that led to was really interesting. It led to most people were nine to fivers and they wanted to take it seriously, but it also led to some ups and downs and ins and outs. And like, so there would always kind of be people there, but then they're all, there was never really a set schedule. So the vibes were always high. Hmm. And if you wanted to clock out for a five hour lunch, I could do whatever I want. I have till Friday to get my work done and to be there for this specific amount of time. So, to hit so, that's, so that's interesting. So I, I, I want to get, if you can, I want to get a little bit deeper into like the kind of work that you're doing there. Cause I, I, I personally think there are basically three factors at play here. One mm-hmm. of them is like the work-life balance. One of them is like the community uh, individual basis, uh, like the time and the money savings. Uh, and then I think the third one is like what kind of work, needs to get done in an economy or in a business or in a state to in order to justify having a, a more flexible or, or non-traditional schedule. So can you can you discuss like what kind of when you say you needed to be in get your shit done by Friday, what kind of shit did you need to get yeah, done? Yeah, so we had a, so half of our job was logging archival footage. And if for anybody that works in media, logging is where they have a bunch of stuff and they need to 
break it up into clips and understand what's there so you can search a database for whatever you want. So for example, if you wanted to look for perhaps the most iconic football uh, image of all time, which I would argue is John Elway, it's called the helicopter when he gets hit diving into the end zone in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. right? That was so, like, oh, was that like 97, 98, somewhere in there. 97? Yeah. yeah. So that, was, then, that was a cool moment. We were, yeah. we were Broncos fans at the time because we were little kids. In the Denver oh, it was market, great. I guess. It was awesome. I mean, we had, I had Super Bowl parties back-to-back. Everyone came. It was better than a birthday party. It was sick. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was so much fun. So that shot is called an iconic, and what you would do is, like, you would go through... The NFL sends, like, dozens... Now it's, like, over 100 cameramen to these games, and even now, they'll... The way you shoot things when you're not doing a game is you, you're on, and then you're off, and then you're on, and then you're off. So every... Every time you turn it on and start recording, it's a new file. So you have a bunch of files that are somewhere between 10 seconds to two minutes, like hundreds, thousands of them, and they go back to the 70s. So you got to go. We were doing half of our job was to log stuff from 1996. And the other half of our job was to collect content from 1996 to the present, which at that point was 17 or 18, and to pitch them for things like a football life. They were doing documentaries about like Dan Marino stuff, like go find Marino stuff, go find things for the top 10 or whatever. So all of it. I would never stand in a meeting room and pitch producers. I would pitch them electronically. So I'd be like, look at these four shots. This is what I think about this Barry Sanders thing. The engagement, what was hard was you go through this old stuff. And if something kind of caught your eye, you'd have to be like, what the hell is this? Like, what's going on here? Like, what, why is it this way? And then you would write a description about the shots, tag a bunch of keywords and get all the shots logged out. And then you put together your packages and pitch them to the producer. Be like, yeah, we use this. Yeah, we won't, whatever. So there is never a reason for me to interact with another human being except to, if my boss wanted to lay eyes on us and also to communicate when different tasks were coming up. So for one, for example, we did um, playoffs one time and then we were doing like audio and then he was like, we want specific runs. So everybody's doing running now. So like on a Friday, be like, okay, we're, this is what we're doing this week. So he would, to communicate that, he would want everybody to be there. Not at the same time, but he would want to see you like on Thursday or Friday. Like, okay, what, what sure. you're doing is changing. Okay, so you, you would you would need to have some necessary interface in order to determine like the content and direction. But basically, yeah. your job was sitting behind a screen, observing footage, and making important notes about that footage so people Correct. could make use of it. Yeah, and then okay. I would I would like so, very basic level of like taking it to the next step of like here's what I would do with it. Yeah, and so you, what you're basically doing there is working with information technology, mm-hmm. a, spe- a specialized information technology because you're working with like arch- like film footage. You're sitting behind a computer and making like symbolic notes about it and you're communicating the information from your notes and the content to people who have to make decisions about it. So in other words, you're like you're a basically what a, an, an economist might describe as like a symbol a symbol manipulator, a yeah. symbol uh, worker. And, and that's sure. reflective of like the, the type of the sector that you're in and like the, the type of economy that characterizes like the rest of the workforce. So like, it's kind of funny you mentioned the word logging because the type of work that you're doing there, logging footage, makes it easy for you to have a flexible schedule. And so it doesn't make sense for the NFL to say like, hey, you need to be butts and seats for these hours every single day and then that's it. And managing productivity that way, I mean, technically they'd get what they need, but it doesn't create the same kind of vibes, doesn't create the same kind of flexibility or benefits for you as a worker. Now, if you think about the alternative to that, the other type of logging, if you're a guy whose specialty is going and harvesting lumber for lumber producers or a paper mill or something, the kind of logging that you would need to do there is not symbolic. You're working with actual raw product. You're doing manual labor. You're using machinery instead of like computer machinery. And that kind of work you can't really do by yourself. You can't mm-hmm. on an industrial scale 
harvest trees and you know produce the same kind of economic output that you can with a crew and then you know that none of that's that doesn't say anything about like the safety regulations or requirements that that people in industry have so for people who are working in like the actual logging industry or like insert manufacturing industry here those people can't really afford to have the same kind of individualized flexible scheduling structure that an information or symbol manipulator can afford to do. Yeah. So what I would say is like, and this is, it's really depressing to think about. I am one of those people who, when I wake up in the morning, I plug into the internet. Nothing I do yes. will ever exist in real life. Like it's only the internet. I use the internet for it and it ends up on the internet. Like that's my entire existence. And for the most part, that's all I've ever mm-hmm. really done. Um, and it's important. It's like people need their stuff and the NFL was fun and all that, but I don't really need to like that NFL work theoretically could have been done remotely. Now they are incredibly careful of like that system. Yeah. There's biometrics and shit, but theoretically I could have been doing it remotely. And that's Chris, that's sort of what spurred this. And then in 2020, 2021, New Zealand researchers from Unilever, they looked into this and they wanted to do a study in the UK. And what they found out was kind of, eh, yeah, it's good. In some ways people really like it. They don't. Some companies found productivity, some didn't, but it was reported as if like, Hey, this really works. Like, no, no. And that obviously is the media taking advantage of the situation. But again, you have to break it down by business. You have to. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's clear that the community is a major factor, like community to community, locality to locality. The, there, there's a difference there. And Nick, we'll, we'll talk about in a second what this means for like our actual like home community. Uh, but the other major factor is like what kind of work is being done. So it's, it's not enough to just say like, well, yeah, we need to switch to a four day work week. It doesn't really mean anything if you don't specify which industry, which businesses, which sectors of the economy can go to that type of work schedule. You know, we already talked about how the state of Utah had to switch back in part for, for a number of reasons, but in part because state services, like the services on behalf of the government for the people who lived in Utah needed to be available more widely than on a four day work week you you just couldn't you couldn't expect the entire population of the state to adjust the way that they try to consume state provided services and cram it into four days instead of five especially when they're working on a five-day work week you know they get off work in the afternoons and and want to take care of business on a friday like well sorry the state's just not open so the the type of work that you do matters a lot and and i do think i think it's also worth pointing out at this juncture that the utah study that we're talking about was from as you said 15 years ago it, this was this was a long time ago. It started mm-hmm. in 2008. And here we are in 2023. We've already experienced a forced move to remote work or distance work. Or uh, you know, maybe we had that period where people were figuring out, is my job essential or is it not essential? And after COVID forced us into that kind of space, we realized that maybe jobs that didn't, maybe jobs existed before that were in the office, but didn't necessarily need to be. So the option to work full-time remote and have a more flexible schedule on timing uh, became a little bit more of a reality. And so people are, are now in a place where technology is better. The expectation that people have the same kind of professional etiquette over a Zoom call that they would have in the office, that's more of an established norm. And so businesses, managers, decision makers can look to this and say, like, well, instead of this just being a cop-out for my employees trying to improve their own work-life balance, this can actually be a more efficient, more effective way for me to run my business and get the vibes that I need while maintaining productivity and you know, getting our product out the door. So yes, that is exactly right. And it becomes a competitive advantage. Now, what I pitch, what I think is that everybody, depending on the size of your company, you should always, always employ people in a way that 
allow them to pitch you on stuff. Like if, if an employee can make the argument, like I only want to work four days a week um, or like this week I want to do that. And I think, in, I think companies should be like, for the most part, chill with that. As long as the bases are covered and depending on the management structure or whatever, I think companies should actually be like, yeah, totally fine with me for, for whatever reason. I think that there's some sort of power struggle. And I think management of, of companies think that by having a hard line or something that they are maintaining control, but what they're, what they're doing, we see this with millennial workers, and I promise we're going to see it with Gen Z workers. What they're doing is creating job hoppers. Like, oh, well, this one thing is different. I'm, I'm out. I'm going to go find something better because I know that this exists now, and I would like that to be the case. So due to some damn fine reporting, damn fine reporting from the damn senior fine. housing sector, um, there is uh, a... Yes. <laughs> That that, uh, that paragon of the broader yeah. workplace. Right. Well, it's interesting because it's it's similar Lots to what you're talking about. You have to be there physically to do the work of these senior living communities. Damn fine yep. reporting by, who is that? What does it say? Nick Andrews. Crazy. Wow. What's some, some That's damn how fine you reporting. know you're getting great journalism. A That's renowned right. name. So there is a group of communities, and I have to be careful what I say here, of course, uh, because this is like my actual career. Capri Communities, which is in Wisconsin, they are looking into this and they are doing it with the help of a grant. Okay, so that is going to help them. They're go yes, they are going to, and it's a portion of a grant for healthcare related stuff, I believe, right? They have healthcare for the employees or for like the clients. So the sector of healthcare and like services in the state of Wisconsin has access to grants, and one of the things that this group of communities this this company is going to use it for is to test out four day work weeks instead of instead of moving hours from five days to four days they simply get another day off every week so essentially it it amounts to 52 additional paid days off and they're gonna see what happens wow the idea is that the money that they will save from not having to look for employees because this is a marketplace advantage will be helpful again it's kind of an experiment the people will want to do this. If you get paid the same salary, would it be better for the communities to stagger who works when than it would be to in- keep increasing wages? So people are trying some math cool. here. And this, this idea in senior housing is reflective of what you said with construction workers in the state of Utah and all of that. You, you have to be there in order to care for, for residents of senior, senior living communities. It's not the same thing as me at the NFL where they're like, hit your deadlines, make sure that you're still employed here. It's like, okay, this is a little bit trickier. And they're, one of the, you know, the reasons they're doing it is because they want to recruit. Interesting. So they're trying to address like a worker burnout problem by just mm-hmm. making people work less. Yep. Wow. So now here's, now here's a question for you. It, ostensibly what this means is with an additional 52 days, additional paid days off per year. That's not just a free benefit, right? I, I mean, is the company saving money through other, like, th- so federal law requires like in, in, and state law requires in different places, certain benefits to be paid out based on if workers are hitting a certain number of hours. Like I remember, I, and I, I, the first time I learned about that was like years and years ago when we were watching CSI, like the original, like yeah, yeah, Vegas. Vegas. Oh my God. That was such a good show. That was, a, that was when I got like into TV as like a 13 year old. And that's when my life went downhill. Oh, for sure. And, 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 you know, at the time as like a, like a teenager, I didn't realize yeah. you know, what, what work and, and benefits are and, and right. how benefits are connected together. And there is this plot point where one of the character, one of the side characters from that 
week's episode said, oh, yeah, I get scheduled to work at the convenience store for 38 hours a week. Why not 40 hours a week? Well, because if I work those extra two hours, then my employer has to pay for health insurance or something. Mm -hmm. So the question is, do the companies realize savings because they're no longer required to provide XYZ benefit in exchange for not having those workers on hand for the additional eight hours a week? Yeah. And so that's what they're finding out. And what they found this company, according to the damn fine reporting, is that, oh, excuse me. We'll title this the self-congratulations episode. Yeah. What they found is that the vibes are high. And the vibes being high right now has been the goal of a lot of senior living communities. And again, I'm a reporter and have to watch what I say. But a lot, there's a big labor crunch in certain sectors, including uh, various aspects of healthcare, senior living communities, nursing homes, hospitals, caregivers, essentially. There aren't enough and um, they want more money and they have an argument, right? COVID was a really scary, dangerous, shitty time for them. So now what these places are figuring out is, yes, people want to make more money, but they also want the vibes to be high. Like They want to feel good about caring for, for, for older adults who need them. And so raising the vibes, we have not put of monetary value on that, but they, the, the industry has recently kind of decided that there is some sort of monetary value on it and it's being solved for right now. They, by preventing turnover, wow. by the vibes being high. And like, if you prevent turnover over 90 days, that's one thing. Cause a lot of times these, these hourly workers will get hired and not show up or quit after a month. So 90 day turnover is a big step, but what they're trying to do is get five to 10 year turnover. So people want to be there for a long term and create a career out of this and, and so forth. So if the vibes are high, that is like test number one. That's like a viability study in medicine. We're like, Oh, well it for sure won't kill you. Let's see if it cures anything. Wow. Okay. So that that's kind of a cool, innovative approach to what I, I suspect has been a, a growing problem. And it's more, it has less to do with like the five day work week per se and more to do with like companies and organizations don't really know how to respond to a workforce that doesn't have a little bit of built in institutional loyalty. Uh, you know, I, I think when we were growing up, like the, the, the way the business was done in like you know, the office space era, when people go work at a job and the job is supposed to provide stability and a reliable income or whatever else, I think the expectation then was like, well, you got to be loyal to the company because the co- company will be good to you. And, you know, in, in exchange for your devotion to the company or, or whatever else, your participation, you'll right. get the benefits of stability and you'll have like a reliable job in a time of unparalleled prosperity. So that does not continue to carry over. I mean, turnover is high in basically every sector. Mm-hmm. And so the question of like, how can we replace this like built-in institutional loyalty with some means of retaining talent while not just like giving people pizza parties and whatever else. Like, right. it, businesses have to be able to turn a profit. So you can't just like pay people more money because then you don't have money to run the business. Right. But at the same time, you got to have workers and you got to have people interested and psyched about what they're doing. Otherwise, the business is also going to fail. So yeah. that's a that's a cool, interesting, innovative approach. And it's based on like reducing the amount. Of, it's basically like the equivalent of NBA load sharing. Yep. Like yep. how do you keep LeBron James happy? Like, well, sit him on the bench until playoffs. Yep, exactly. Well, what, what do people want to do? They want to make more or work less. Now, capitalism is interesting because if they paid you what you're worth, they wouldn't make any money. That's how this works. You have to put out more than, than you make. Otherwise, they go under and nothing happens. Publicly traded company, nonprofit, it doesn't matter. You can't just simply lose money. So nobody is getting paid what they're worth in America. You're getting paid market value, and there's a completely different. That's, those are two completely different things. So Yes, they are. This is not the first time that this has happened, though. This is the group in Wisconsin. They cut work weeks from from 40 to 32. But the Wall Street Journal reported France in the year 2000. Well, Wall Street Journal has been covering this. The Economist has been covering this. A bunch of people who are... Mm-hmm. It feels like the... 
established media is vibe is get your asses back to work and the public <laughs> the instagram people are God like is. fuck you i only want to work four days a week that's what the vibe i'm getting you getting that vibe because the wall street journal in the comments is writing is like hey, hey it's not that great go back to work and instagram is like oh no i'm taking friday off forever well, and it also depends on whether, like, one of the factors that matters in this discussion is how 23 years old are you? Yeah. Like, yeah, of course I want more money for doing less work. Like, that's that should be yeah. highly obvious. And, and, you know, that's that's not to just, like, disparage people who are trying to make more for themselves. And sure. it's not to just disparage young people. But, I mean... Part of it is like you got to have some perspective here, and one of the one of the realities about having a very low unemployment rate, we're like we're at record low unemployment like all time in America, and one mm. of the consequences of that is like people have a lot of job security. I don't think you would have he heard a lot of this type of discussion around 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011 when college graduates were entering into the worst job market on record since the Great Depression, uh, I think there was a little bit less uh, entitlement in the workplace. There was the expectation that sometimes work is actually going to be boring. I can't have the fulfilling career that I've always dreamed of at the ripe old age of 24. So I, I think, you know, in, in times and places, things differ. Uh, but like, as you said, this four-day work week study that there's a huge, like, comprehensive study of, like, a lot of companies go to a four-day work week, uh, have gone to a four-day work week uh, in Britain. Mm -hmm. And uh, according to The Economist, like as of today, as the, on, on the day that we're recording this, uh, the world's largest ever trial was generally hailed as a success. And most of the companies that were involved in that study uh, have chosen not to go back to five days. Like, well, actually, yeah, no, we've realized a lot of gains or people are happy. Uh, so the, uh, according, to, uh, the, according to The Economist, there were almost 3,000 workers, 2,900 workers, uh, and 61 companies in Britain across a variety of sectors. So we're talking like fast food, banks, you, you know, you name it. Uh, they had feedback that said that employee turnover is low, stress is generally lower, uh, and input or, and, and output from the business remained either flat or uh, in some cases increased. Now, I, I do want to point out that uh, some of the businesses could be potentially be self-selecting. So The Economist ran a story on this in November, uh, which was roughly the midpoint of this study. And they said that of, all, of the 70 companies that originally signed up, six of them dropped out before the pilot even began. They realized, you know, we don't want to participate in this. We're just going to stick to it. So it's like, all right, the, the companies that are going to succeed from this are could potentially be called self-selecting. Uh, but the fact remains that those businesses that participated reported higher workplace morale, at least as good, if not better, uh, productivity. Uh, and the vibes are high. Which, yeah. we've which we've determined is really the important thing here. Yeah, which is, it's, it's actually like, so vibes being high, um, I forget where I read this. I'm going to have to find, doing a study on what millennials want. Vibes being high is something that millennials care about a little bit more than like career trajectory and stuff. Like, are you getting fulfillment out of your work and does your work like not make you stressed out and feel anxious and awful? Uh, and that kind of creates a, a loyalty, right? So this this study that you're referencing, I think it was done by Unilever. This is the one in, the, in New Zealand that studied British companies. I think well, that the, was no, the, the one. The one I'm talking about is uh, uh, researchers at the University of Oxford and Cambridge, okay. uh, and then Boston College stuck their dirty little nose in here. Yeah, got to be invited to everything. I mean, Boston College. It's like yeah, the yeah one of these things does not belong. Boston. Oxford, Cambridge, Boston College. Come on, you guys. <sighs> Must be nice. So yes. So the, and then they're not the only one. There was a big study in Iceland years ago that looked into this, and what they're finding is that. 
if it, whether or not it can help productivity, Chris, is, is up to what you do and what your company does on a Friday. Do you need to be open on Fridays? Is there, is there deadline-driven stuff? Like, what, what is the purpose of this? And I would argue, again, aggressively, that if you have an employee that's like, I only want to work four days. And if, if, if you can manage it and other people want to work five days, because when I was at the NFL, I didn't take advantage of the four-day thing. I usually worked five days. I would rather have been in and out. And I occasionally did stuff on Saturdays and Sundays too. It was nice to yeah. like, okay, I was, yeah. I mean, I, if I have anything to do on Sundays, like I'll go in there for three hours and get ahead. Like, well, why not? Who cares? So like, I didn't want to be, I couldn't do for 10 hours in a row. Are you kidding me? That was awful. So this idea that you just cut the amount of time people are there down, I think is helpful. So France in 2000, and there are a bunch of protests right now because they want to raise the retirement age in France. Okay, so the, look, these big guys, unions in, what's that? If you, if you, if you've never heard of France protesting before, like I, so we I think we mentioned like the protests in China at one point on mm-hmm. like the, the huge like anti government protests that took place last year in China. Uh, you guys, France is is just like I I think to be a citizen there, you have to participate in at least two protests a year. It's crazy. <laughs> so this, this isn't some big workers' revolution. This isn't some big thing like oh yeah, we're going to change the way benefits are understood in Europe. Like no, France has found an excuse. Like they're outside like tailgating these guys. Like I saw a video of these guys who had a grill mounted on train tracks for like the streetcars. Mm-hmm. They were just fucking grilling out. So it's like okay, I'm not I'm I'm not exactly gonna uh, stop what I'm doing to watch what the French are protesting this week. Yeah, well the Chinese folks who are speaking out against the government are risking death or torture to death and the French are yes. not going to work. So that's two completely two completely different things. Regardless, yeah. they're mad because they're raising the retirement age and that kind of the, the way the French labor works for the most part is if there are unions they negotiate pretty aggressively against the country and the country is much more closer aligned with like a socialist democracy kind of. Like the, the labor the relationship that the government has with labor and the private sector is a little bit more close knit than uh, say even, you know, the United Kingdom or the United States, of course. So in France in the two thousands, they found that nobody wanted to work at bullshit jobs. And so the, in order to make them do that, they're like, well, what if we just cut down the amount of hours that they work per week? So instead of 40, the minimum requirement goes to 35 and they found that now that didn't really do much for them at all. So that's they, really this interesting. Is, that was in 2000 back when Gen X was the group. Now, if it's, if it's oh. the millennials, so we'll find out, Maybe the time has come for, for this kind of conversation now. We're like, would you rather work 35 hours a week and do it in four days, 35 hours a week and do it in five days? Would you rather have Friday off and then work one extra day per week or one extra hour per week? I mean, there, there are a whole slew of possibilities. What we do know and what I started the show with is that history did not end in 1988 and the weekend, this is not the way things work and all this shit is fluid and we should all be down with that. Be creative. Otherwise, people who are creative in the marketplace against your company or your employer, they're going to lose. You're just going to yeah. lose. Well, and, and so I, I think that's a major, major factor here. Like if you if you want to talk about like what's the game theory of whether you should decide whether to go to a four-day work week. First of all, I think I think that's a game that is best not played. Like I, to, yeah. to say we should move to a four-day work week in a vacuum, that doesn't really mean anything. It's not like, uh, you know, we should pay people for their labor. Like, that's a fundamental question. The question of whether we should have a four-day work week really should be like a company policy or like a government policy in the case of like state-provided services. Uh, and the other factor, I, you know, it really does come down to the community and like, does does this policy or does this employment structure best fit the needs of the community in this moment? So, Nick, I, I said earlier, we're going to talk about our hometown. We're mm-hmm. re- ready to talk about Rock Springs. Rock Springs, Wyoming. Let's talk about it. So, Rock Springs, yeah, so Wyoming, some- we... We are from the part of Wyoming that borders Utah to the north and to the east. We are in the Utah corner of Wyoming. We're just like in the, the Utah spot. And it's right on I-80, the biggest road and most important road like on the planet. So that's Mother what we're road. talking about. 
right. which all of the roads spring forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I want to be, give a big shout out to uh, Olivia Kanaw, a reporter at Sweetwater Now. She's crushing it. She's like, uh, she's, a, she's an old uh, gumshoe, man. She's she's doing all the work down. I've been, I follow Absolute her. Absolute stud. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a podcast Absolute too, stud. I think. They have like a daily podcast, I think. They do, yeah. They do. Yeah. They have a they, uh, daily, weekly. They they have a podcast that discusses the news and, and goings on in Sweetwater County. Yeah. Uh, but this is from a report uh, from February 9th of this year uh, from from Olivia, uh, and that there's also a link in there to an interesting three part study uh, that that went into more depth about this. Uh, but the report that I'm citing this from comes on the heels of a decision by Sweetwater County School District Number One in Rock Springs to move to a four day school week, and so Sweetwater now polled users. Uh, to see how they feel about it, whether they prefer mm-hmm. a four-day work week to a five-day work week. Uh, the poll reached 328 people online, uh, and just over 50%, 52.7% said they were not in favor of the four-day school uh, school week. Uh, so, Is that the online poll or the employee poll? That's the online poll. Okay. So there are some factors at play here. And it hints at not just what kind of work is being done. So like the business of education has to happen on a time basis and it's, it's part of a rhythmic thing. You can't just say like, get your education done before the end of the week. Like that's not how this, this sector works. Uh, but there are also <laughs> some factors at play. Like, for example, are you a parent or guardian? Yes. Are you a student at the yep. school? Are you a professional educator? Uh, are you just a member of the community? So just we're, we're just going to run through some, some kind of basic stats here. So the majority of people in the groups consisting of teachers, parents, and guardians said they actually prefer the four-day school week. And so there, there was some, some reasons for the four-day school week that, uh, that people you know, were allowed to give. They say, uh, I think uh, it gives some flexibility. So like plan Friday school for students mm-hmm. uh, who need additional attention. So yeah. if you're in, in good academic standing as a student, theoretically, you can just go ahead and go home. Uh, but then there are some also reasons against it. So like, for example, we already brought up the less family time during the week. Rock Springs is also a heavily Mormon area. So family home evenings are, are an important part of that. And there's less time after school or after work to do activities. You know, you factor in like if you're going to school till you know, 4.30 p.m., you start practice at 5 o'clock. You're done with you know, sports practice, whatever, at 6.30 or 7. A lot of people have to drive home because there really isn't public transit in that area. It just doesn't yeah. have the population to support it. Right. So you're home by like, what, 8 o'clock at the, in the worst case scenario, especially yeah. for the people who live out on the ranches or in Little America. So then you got to do homework if you're a kid and you know, it's hard to cram all that in. And you know, if you're doing that three times a week, it's like, well, you know, having this Friday off might not, the juice might not be worth the squeeze. Yep. Um, another issue that a lot of people pointed out, like straight up having school for that long, hard to do. If yeah. you're, if you're a teenager, like you, you just might not have the, the same attention span or the, the ability to focus for that long. You know, you're not, Kids aren't trained to be in the workplace concentrating hard. And, and for, there are the data on teenagers and school starting early are pretty profoundly conclusive. Like it is bad for school to start before 9 a.m. period. It does everywhere. And so we're mm-hmm. like, well, that's not only completely disrupt how teenagers grow. Let's also make them stay for longer. Yeah, no, I can see that that being a problem as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that said, uh, some of the support that comes for like having a four-day work week, uh, some people actually reported that there's more time to spend with family. Hmm. Uh, there's also a less likelihood of missing school on Fridays for sports and activities. So sure. if you're listening to us, sure. to us from, having grown up in like a major metro area or like a heavily popular, like uh, on any of the coasts or like in the Chicago land area, like if you grew up in a big city around a lot of high schools and stuff, this might be a foreign idea to you. And I think this hits 
the, on the importance of like doing this on a community to community basis. Um, a lot of times in Wyoming, when students have to go to compete for like activities or sports or, or whatever else, it's not a close trip. You can't just pick no. up your stuff and drive across town unless it's a one-on-one team event with, uh, it happens to be in Casper, Gillette or Cheyenne. Uh, so Nick, when we were in high school, the nearest drive to us was Rock Springs, about 20 minutes down the road to get to the school. Yep. And it was about what, I don't know, 80 or 90 miles to get to Evanston was the yep. next closest. About uh, and then and for half. other, yep. And then for other conference games, Laramie, three hours away, three hours Cheyenne, away. four hours away, assuming there's no weather, no uh, big problems. So a lot of times, you know, we, we would ha- have these conference games where you got to travel six, seven, eight hours to get to opposite corners of the state. That mm-hmm. it means that if you're going to play a game on Friday, you got to leave and skip the entire day. So that's yeah. a whole day worth of instruction and homework that students are missing. And so if you, you're not planning to be in school during those days, then you're not missing out on any of the instruction. You don't fall behind as easily in class. So I think that's, a, that's an important thing to consider, especially in these more rural communities that have to travel farther to, to do, participate in activities. Uh, I think that's a legitimate factor. Yeah, no uh, question. But otherwise, you know, the, it's, I, I think the, the feedback generally comes down to, like, are we better off or worse off? Like, a lot of it's anecdotal. I think it's hard to pin down whether this is a, a question of more or less productive unless you take into account, A, the type of work that is being done, and B, the community set, the context in which the work is set. Yeah, and I think, like, in this example, it's kind of interesting because, like, is this a four-day education week or a four-day work week? Who benefits right. the most? Who drawback? Who 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 loses the most? Right. So that that's mm-hmm. that's that's part of this particular example. But this idea, uh, I think, there's a larger theme here, and we're seeing this with a bunch of Nobel laureate research with like circadian rhythm. And you look at people like some of the best athletes in the world, Ronaldo and LeBron, and all of these guys. Like, how can they play? Like Tom Brady, how can they play sports until their 40s and 50s? Well, rest is even more important than we ever imagined. So the, the question for me is not, can companies be more productive if there's a carrot on the end of the stick? The, the question for me is, if we'd like to have a day off, the question is, can companies be more productive if employees prioritize rest over work? That right. to me is kind of interesting because we're finding out in sports and a lot of stuff, the more you sleep, the more you recover, the more you chill, the more like I would, is six hours at 100% better than eight hours at 80 or at 80% or 70% or what are in the offices, the same, same arguments for work from home. Am I better here for the same amount of time? And if your employees can be better and more focused for six hours a day for five days a week or eight hours a day for four days a week, you got to look into it because it's not whether or not you're spending money. It's whether or not you're making money. And if they're better, then they're better. I think the word, uh, I want to give a shout out to a friend of mine, uh, KJ. So shout out to KJ. Uh, she was the first person to use this word in a way that was meaningful to me. Uh, it's uh, it's called presenteeism, where hmm. you know if, if you're in a workplace and you need people to be there just for the sake of having people to be there, whether it's like a middle manager saying, oh, I need people to manage, or mm-hmm. like an out of touch like owner saying like, well, we have to have people here for morale or whatever else. That results in people being present physically, mm-hmm. uh, but not really participating to their fullest. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. when you're asking the question, is six hours better at 100% or eight hours of presenteeism better? Uh, I think it's pretty clear to see that somebody who's like really focused, driven, and able to put their best in, uh, that's going to be a lot more productive for you, even if uh, somebody else is sitting at the desk doing what they quote unquote need to do for eight hours. Uh, so yeah. I, that's, that's a really good point about whether employees are able to get enough rest in between yeah. shifts or work uh, periods. I saw something on, I don't know, must've been TikTok or something. And there are always these kind of battles that go on on TikTok. Well, there's the old, you know, these, the, the middle managers, the people that are like all about work and office place and that kind of stuff. Well, 
they they stitched a TikTok or something or quote tweeted something and said this would never happen. This level of fucking off would never happen if you were back in the office and whatnot. And everyone, the comments were just filled with people like, do you have any idea how much time I spent in my office pretending not to be working on my fantasy football team, pretending to do anything other than just stare at my my employer management software? Do you have any idea what I did after lunch? out for a while. <laughs> right. How much? So I would how, say in a given work week, I would do 15 minutes of real actual work. <laughs> I mean, and that's that's what we're getting at. So like the workplace is going to continue to change. It's just, do the people in charge have the ability to make more money? And if they do, do the people beneath them have the ability to pitch them on it? I mean, I think, but I will say this. I mean, the, the, we just had the Super Bowl. The NFL is going to make the season long enough that Super Bowl Monday is on President's Day. I think, even if we just had five or six more as a society, that's Huge difference. Huge difference. I agree. So, I'm going to text AOC Dark and tell her just double the amount of, of, of three-day weekends. AOC, just double them. That's what I AOC, want. AOC, I love it. Double it. End. End. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right. Well, RIP, Lily. And, uh, yeah, Chris, you reach out. Condolences to Chris, of course, or uh, to correct us on where Canada is. It's possible. Too. We may never know. It's the we eternal mystery. Know. Yeah. <laughs>